Hello, this is Daryl Castle with today's Castle Report. Today is Friday, November 15th, 2019. And on today's report, I will be talking about the 30th anniversary of the fall of the Berlin Wall 30 years ago this week and why that fact is still relevant today. On November 9th, 1989, thousands of East Germans imprisoned by the Soviet system for more than four decades began the process of tearing down the wall just as Ronald Reagan had encouraged them to do in 1987. I remember watching the wall come down on television as if it were yesterday. Another U.S. president went to Berlin in 1963, just two years after the wall was built, and made a similar speech as a way of encouraging and showing solidarity with people imprisoned by that terrible regime. President Kennedy spoke outdoors near the wall, Hundreds of thousands of people on the east side of the wall gathered to listen to his words by loudspeaker. The same thing happened when President Reagan spoke more than two decades later. Why is the fall of the Berlin Wall relevant today since it has been 30 years? For one thing, it helps us remember as a way to understand where you have been. If you don't know where you've been, it's hard to understand where you're going. A second reason would be to review the long history of the Cold War, the many tactics employed, the tactics that finally worked. Finally, it may help to understand how the Soviet system denied sovereignty to captive nations, as does the European Union, although in a different manner. Today, how did it happen to such a great city like Berlin, from which came Einstein, Planck, and Heisenberg, after World War II, the Allies divided Berlin into four sectors, American, British, French, and Soviet. The Soviets had the East Sector and forbid travel to the West, but so many East Germans were escaping into the West, an estimated 3.5 million between 1945 and 1961. That on August 13, 1961, the East German government ordered construction of a wall to prevent escape. Families were separated by the wall for decades. Hundreds died trying to escape to the West. The rebuilding of Berlin post-World War II was an American achievement. Under the leadership of George Marshall and President Truman, when the Soviets closed off Berlin to the West, Truman and Marshall began an airlift of supplies that eventually broke the blockade. The two political systems which to get together destroyed Berlin. National Socialism and Soviet Communism were necessary for the strength of each to grow and expand. Without the necessity to fight Hitler, there would have been no Soviet invasion and conquest of Eastern Europe. The crack-up of the Soviet Union did not happen because of Ronald Reagan's speech, although that speech certainly helped more than anything. It helped the morale and the determination of the East German people to continue their demands for freedom and reunification for many years. The Soviet control of its Western European empire had been teetering on the brink of collapse. The Soviet system was a good example of what a planned collectivist economy can achieve. The old jokes such as, we pretend to work and they pretend to pay us, and we are now in the 15th year of the five-year plan for the Soviet economy. <clears throat> Those jokes actually turned out to be true. 
those Eastern European countries were actually burdens to the Soviets instead of benefits. They gave the Soviets the illusion of being a great empire, but they didn't produce anything. So they were actually a net drain on the Soviet economy since they had no first world GDP. In other words, they didn't produce anything to speak of. The Soviets had to pour money into each of them to keep them going and to maintain their military. Sometimes you think you own something, only to find out later that it actually owns you. Gorbachev was brought to power specifically to fix the desperate economic problems that had been hidden from the West for so long. When he saw what the problems were and that they were unsolvable within the existing Soviet system, he knew he had to accept Reagan's offer to change the system. Hungary was the first nation to slip away because the Hungarian president said he could not maintain his border fence without Soviet money. He was told by the Soviets, let it go then. The Hungarian people did the rest by crossing their borders in droves. The Soviets imprisoned people, not just in the East, but in each individual country. They all had their borders maintained. With Soviet money, Berlin was the last to go because it symbolized the Soviet system to the West. The East German people saw what was happening in neighboring Poland and Hungary. They were hopeful for change. The East German government was fearful, though, because they could see that their days were numbered. The final end came on November 9, 1989, when at a press conference it was announced that travel restrictions to the West were lifted. Late that night, the border guards opened the gate, and thousands of East Germans poured through to the West. A party atmosphere reigned in Berlin that night. And it wasn't a communist party either. The East Berliners were met with champagne at the gate as families were reunited after decades of forced separation. The end of a divided Berlin was the end of the Soviet system and the birth of the Russian Federation. The tearing down of the wall was one of the most significant events of the 20th century, exceeded perhaps only by two world wars, the East German government now free of Soviet control, saw the handwriting on the wall and quickly moved for reunification. The East was essentially taken over by the West. It caused economic shock to set in. They went from a managed economy where everything is provided when there is anything to provide, that is, to a free economy based on competition and hard work. The three, This part of the process always reminds me of our situation today as many, many presidential candidates counsel us to go in reverse as, as if history never happened. The West footed the bill for reunification because the East had no money thanks to their 45 years of communist utopia. At a ceremony marking the 30th anniversary, Mrs. Merkel, now Chancellor of Germany, warned against taking democracy for granted. She seems haunted by events of German history, unwilling to act in defense of her own people because of those events. Guilt comes off of her like a bad odor every time she speaks in public. I would like to tell her, if I could, that she is the leader of a once great people who could be great again, if not for her and people like her. She believes she must atone for Hitler, of course, but she also remembers the wall and that influences her decision 
to allow Germany to be overrun by Muslim migrants. Her words at the 30th anniversary celebration proved these things to be true. To prove she has properly atoned for past German sins, she must destroy Germans as a distinct people group. As one writer put it, why are so many unrelenting salvos fired at a sunken vessel today? There are still complaints that the East has not caught up with the West. Wages generally lower hours, longer jobs, harder to find in the East. It has taken the West longer than expected to absorb the antiquated anti-industrial East, given those complaints then. Where do we stand today with reunification? There is supposedly complete unity across East and West now. So where do we stand in the Soviet days, when the communists ruled in the East, the individual countries had sovereignty in name only. Their elected officials were simply figureheads spouting the words of their masters in Moscow. Today, the individual nations of the European Union have sovereignty in name only. Their elected officials simply figureheads spouting the words of their masters in Brussels, I'm sure, that's how the deep state wants the world to be, always in a state of conflict, which never is allowed to resolve the fall of the Soviet Union. It was the greatest opportunity for peace in a century, but it was squandered by the actions of a couple of presidents of NATO and of the European Union. Those presidents, George H.W. Bush and Bill Clinton, apparently made the decisions, but what they decided makes no sense unless one looks at the goals of the deep state to move NATO to the border of Russia after you agreed not to do that as part of a bargain for agreement makes no sense at all. It makes no sense unless you really don't want peace and you are instead striving for a chaotic and conflicted world. The EU was formed originally as a body of European nations integrated for economic purposes, it would ease tariffs on goods traded between member nations and would therefore be mutually beneficial. Later, the, quote, economic community was replaced by just the European community, which didn't pretend to be solely about the economy. Instead, it made and enforced laws of a civil nature that had nothing to do with economics. Then it became the European Union. All pretense about economics were gone. The unelected European Commission initiated laws that the people of member states had no say in but still had to obey. The new guidelines caused the shutdown of some industries, the encouragement of other industries, crony capitalism in other words. In some ways, the people began the process of becoming poorer rather than richer. These were all gripes made by those favoring Brexit in Great Britain, the Union, Controls virtually everything for the European people, though. So Brexit is a tough sale. Most Britons are not old enough to remember the Battle of Britain and the struggle to remain free in the face of demands from Nazi Germany. They do know, however, that the European Union controls their pensions, and that is far more important today. The final blow to end European culture was apparently... The West policies in the Middle East with the Arab Spring revolts, the war against Libya, the wars against Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, created millions of Middle Eastern migrants who flooded European nations, taking away much of their economies and all of their individual cultures. Finally, folks, 
The one thing I know for certain is that for 6,000 years of recorded human history, technology has changed, but human nature has not. At least that's the way I see it. Till next time, folks. This is Daryl Castle. Thanks for listening.